More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Third hour of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. And we have our friend Stephen Miller with us. He is the founder of America First Legal, a former senior advisor in the Trump White House and a very astute and wise fellow. Mr. Miller, good to have you back. Thank you. Appreciate the introduction. So we have some big stuff going on at the border or continuously happening at the border, uh, as in it's the most wide open that it has ever been, the most lawless. Uh, It's a massive problem if you look at the polling for Biden, the Democrats going into 2024. And uh, former President Trump has put out some pretty big ideas, and I know you've been amplifying them for what he would do in his second term. Can you, can you take us through some of those? Because I'm, I'm seeing talk of widespread deportations, for example, and a, a very serious escalation in that. How would that work? Can we get it done? Yes, we can, and here's exactly how it would work. So the way that interior enforcement works right now, well, under Biden, it's not even happening at all, but the way it works historically is you have targeted enforcement actions focusing on specific high-priority individuals. So you work up specific packages against specific people, and then you case them, and you follow them around, and you carry out the arrest. You would need to, which would involve a massive increase in personnel involving the National Guard, involving DEA, ATF, FBI, state, local, um, and sheriffs as well, too. You would need to switch to indiscriminate or large-scale enforcement activities involving basically going into any place where there's known congregations of illegals and holding everybody on site, determining who's there illegally, um, and then taking people who are there illegally into uh, federal detention. But the key part here to understand, and of course you would still continue to do all of the targeted enforcement as well. It would be an, an end, not an or. The key part, though, to actually being able to effectuate the removals is to have large-scale detention facilities to carry out the removals, because this isn't like when Eisenhower did it in uh, the 1950s, when it was a strictly bilateral problem. Two countries were involved, the United States and Mexico. That was it. 
So logistically, it's pretty simple, right? Where is everybody going? They're going to Mexico. Now, if you were to do a hypothetical raid at, say, a, um, a food processing facility, you might get illegal aliens from two dozen different countries. And each one of those illegal aliens has a different complicated fact pattern in terms of do they have a you know, U.S. citizen spouse? Do they have a U.S. citizen child? Uh, do they have um, some pending asylum application? So on and so forth. And so you need to be able to then take all these individuals into an interior staging facility to be able to then line up, get the deportation order, and then line up the flight out of the country. So to achieve efficiency at scale, the way this would work is you try to co-locate everybody in massive facilities, probably near your existing border infrastructure. So you would go to where you have your border patrol facilities, and this way you'd be able to say, okay, Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are our flights back to the Northern Triangle. Every Tuesday and Thursday are our flights to South America. Every Saturday and Sunday are our flights to Africa. Right? Once a week, we do a flight to India. Once a week, we do a flight to China, so on and so forth. And that way, as you're getting people who've been here for different lengths of time and different factual circumstances and everything else, when their case ends, whether it be in an hour or a week, when it ends, there'll be a plane ready and fooled up and ready to go and take them home. The only other detail I'll add to this, and I could obviously talk about it for you know an hour, but is that President Trump has also said that he would invoke a statute that's been on the books since the John Adams administration, uh, which allows you to deport any alien aged 14 or older without due process if there's a declared state of in incursion, a predatory incursion or invasion from that country. So this is an extremely powerful tool that waives due process, whether it's a state of invasion or a state of a, quote, predatory incursion. And obviously under Biden, there is now multiple countries with invasions and predatory incursions into the United States. And so that would be an additional authority that you'd be able to use to expedite these removals. Stephen, you know the border better than I would bet almost anybody in the country in terms of how to handle the situation there. You obviously be very highly involved in any Trump administration 2024. Obviously, the the polls out there look incredible right now for Trump. He's up in basically every single national poll I've seen. We've all discussed in uh, in great detail how well he's doing in swing states. We consistently, however, get emails from people out there who say it doesn't matter the democrats are going to rig the system again how confident are you again you're you're plugged in as well as anybody that the voting systems are going to be cleaner and more reliable in 2024 than they were in 2020 or are you confident in that that's i would say i bet buck would agree one of the number one questions we get about the 2024 election is it going to be safer and more secure by far than 2020? What's happened to change that? How would you assess and answer that question? Well, there's obviously some red states that have implemented important election reforms, and, and that's something that we should all celebrate. But it's still the Wild West, as we know, in so many blue states like Nevada, for example. But number one, the this is going to be... This is going to be a forever problem, right? So people need to internalize the fact that um, as long as there are radical leftists in this country, they are going to try to sabotage the machinery of our elections in any state they can control. 
And even if you fix things, you know, one, you're like, you fix things in Pennsylvania, right? Well, eventually they'll take control again in Pennsylvania, and they'll destroy it all over again. And so you have to do two things, and this is, these are two things that President Trump is absolutely committed to doing. Number one is you have to build a world-class ballot harvesting operation um, to try to, and this is an expression we've known for many years, right? You have to try to beat the cheat. You have to overcome the margin of fraud that you're going to anticipate. And then the second thing that you have to do is obviously put together a world-class legal team so that when the time comes for election challenges, that you're in there hard, you're in there early, you're in there aggressively. But the reality is is that again, this is going to be a permanent forever problem, um, and so there's no, there's no way of pretending that you could choose some other course or, or choose some other tact, and you're not going to have to deal with this. The reality is, is that it's going to keep happening, it's going to continue happening, and the answer for the Republican Party is everywhere you can fix the election laws, you fix them. And everywhere you can't, again, like Nevada, where it really is the Wild West, and there's no way to fix them in Nevada because of the composition of the legislature and the governor's office, then you just have to fight fire with fire. And you have to drop box, and you have to ballot harvest, and you have to do all of that, and with such a sophistication and degree of financing, that again, that you beat the cheat. And the reality is that the President Trump is the best positioned candidate by orders of magnitude to be able to bring out the millions with an M, the millions of voters that are the gold mine in ballot harvesting. And those are voters that are known as low propensity, high affinity. In other words, voters that are very unlikely to vote, but totally love you. That is how you win elections with ballot harvesting, is before election day collecting millions and millions of ballots from the voters who love you, but almost never vote. That's the key right there. We're speaking to Stephen Miller of America First Legal. And Stephen, um, I want to give you this opportunity to uh, wish President Biden a happy birthday. He's 81 today. <laughs> and, and a little bit more seriously, if you would just tell, tell us, where do you come down on all this? Because you've got all this chatter from a lot of Democrats about how there has to be a plan B. And I just sit here and I keep asking, okay, well, what would the plan B be? Well, they're, they're, they don't have it. There's no, there's no safe landing spot for them. And any notion there's an easy way uh, to force Biden out and then <laughs> force Kamala Harris out and then nominate some other Democrat, the days are ticking by. The months are ticking by. There's no clean removal operation available to anything or anybody uh, at this point in time. So they are screwed no matter how you look at it. And we all hear about this, this Gavin Newsom fantasy, which, again, involves convincing Joe Biden to give up the one thing that he's coveted for his entire adult life above anything and everything else, and then to convince Kamala Harris to become, I mean, maybe there's some other historical president, but I can't think of it, at least the first vice president in memory, just to completely bow out because she's loathed and hated by voters. And then to install Gavin Newsom, who would have to run defending the California record at a time in which those issues are front and center in America's minds in terms of crime, in terms of education, in terms of the cost of living. I mean, it would just be a calamity for Democrats because everybody intuitively understands that California has gone to hell, that Los Angeles has gone to hell, and so on. And so I think that the, they're just trapped. They, they have a, a candidate 
whose mind is slipping away by the day, who can barely even function, and there is no way at all they have they have only two poison chalices to choose from, Biden or the most complicated candidate replacement operation in history, and both are completely, at this point, calamitous for Democrats. Stephen Miller with us right now. Stephen, where do you stand on picking people up at the airport? In terms of if a friend... Do you think we've had a big debate about this? It's a holiday season. Let me set set the tables for you. It's a holiday season. Going to be one of the biggest... I thought you were asking me how I feel about picking illegal aliens up at the airport. I was like, I'm strongly opposed to that. I love that that's... I strongly discourage that. So Buck and I are of the opinion that holiday travel... It is a disaster to try to drive to an airport to pick someone up, right? Like you, the coming in for the holiday or whatever. Get an Uber, get a get a Lyft. Manage to not have to no add in. No person should be asking anyone to pick them up at the airport as a general matter. So number one, is a person you should never be known as the person who picks up people at the airport. I haven't picked up anybody but my immediate nuclear family at the airport basically in my entire life. Like, okay. Unless you're my wife or my children, I'm not picking you up at the airport. The only exception to that that I've ever made, which I would advise any intelligent man to make, would be for my in-laws. But that would be it. But you don't want to be known as a mark that's going around just to pick people up at the airport, let alone at the holidays. There's a hundred different ways to get a drive from the airport home at this point in time. So I'm strongly opposed to it. But again, there's reasonable exceptions in the interest of, of uh, welfare in the home. And obviously... If you're in a lot of need to ride at the airport, you're just going to have to suck it up and do it. This is—I knew that you would have a totally logical analysis here because much of what you do is completely logical from a political perspective. You're on the right team here. Like this—this this whole idea of driving people to the airport and picking people up is—it's—it's it's really just become an infestation in this, its man? own. Like 1979, why is anybody in the year 2023? asking anybody to help them get to and from the airport like this is a novel experiment like we don't know how to get to and from the airport on our own it very it, it, i mean i suppose if you lived in, in like deep 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 out in the country and there is just no possible way that's different but if you're living in or around or near any kind of major city you need to be getting yourself to and from the airport and there's something wrong with you if you're putting that kind of pressure on your friends. If you're saying, like, hey, I'm coming in on Christmas Eve. If you could please drop everything you're doing and drive an hour through traffic to pick me up at the airport and then wait in line for 45 minutes and then get told by people in yellow and orange vests every five minutes that you need to move, you're going to get towed, you're going to get ticketed. Who's asking anybody to do that? It's so well said. Happy Good Thanksgiving call. to you. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon, Stephen. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless. Uh, my pillow makes some of the most comfortable items for our home. Giza Dream Sheets, my slippers now, a new line of towels you're going to find incredibly soft and absorbent. They're calling this new line of towels the My Towel. Uh, and they come in two versions. One is their regular line with great prices. Second is their designer premium line for just 20 bucks more. Either way, you're getting one more super comfortable set of items from my pillow at a great price. You can get a six piece set for an awesome introductory sale price. As low as twenty nine ninety eight with our names Clay and Buck as the promo code. You can get the designer premium line just twenty bucks more both ways, fifty percent off regular pricing. That's an incredible deal. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special square to check out the new My Towel six piece towel set and get fifty percent in savings. Remember, enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call eight hundred seven nine two thirty two sixty nine for this special and many more. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. 
And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael to the og spy kid alexa penavega you had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my... This idea of, what is that that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Maybe early to make this pronouncement, Buck, but I have found myself watching occasionally SNL skits, that Saturday Night Live skits, and it seems to me that they have started to mock and ridicule things on the left in a way that they did not do for years and years. Now, part of me thinks this is probably just market-based. They're probably getting data showing that their audience has declined and that they're no longer appealing to both sides of the political aisle. But they had Jason Momoa over the weekend, uh, the guy who plays Aquaman, uh, as probably that's his most best-known role, I would guess, 
Carl uh, Drogo in Game of Thrones. Yes, yes. Also really good in Game of Thrones. Uh, if you don't know him, your wife or girlfriend probably do. Uh, but he's a big guy. He's a good-looking guy. He was guest hosting. And they did a mock uh, sports documentary on men versus women in tennis with him playing a male tennis star competing in a battle of the sexes against a woman. Now, partly, I would encourage you to watch it. It's pretty ridiculous, but I think we have some audio. Effectively, uh, what you end up with is the male tennis player decapitates the female tennis player because he's so much bigger, stronger, and faster than the woman. Listen. All eyes are on the Houston Astrodome tonight to witness this historic match. Here comes the first serve. We should have seen it coming. He was 300 pounds of pure muscle, and she was one of the lowest-ranked female players at the time. Did I ruin it? Did I ruin it for women? Hey, Sharman, you all right? There's a hole in her stomach, man. So the first to serve goes through her entire body and leaves a hole in her stomach. Spoiler alert, the second one decapitates her. And again, it's done in a mockumentary style as if it is a documentary that is being shown on Netflix, I believe. Buck, is this an encouraging sign that suddenly all, uh, at least some of the left's holy grails are being ridiculed? Or is it a false feint and when Trump is the nominee, they'll go back to oh, he's Hitler, and there's no humor, it's just propaganda all over again. Uh, I wish I could say it was the former, but I think it's probably the latter. Um, I, I don't think that they can give up. and, and They will only give up on the trans agenda as it pertains to sports when there's some other manufactured social justice crusade they could replace it with or that they could shift their focus to. So until that happens, or unless that happens, I think at best you get... Uh, temporary uh, detente with the radical left on this stuff. They're still not going full South Park. And I mean, I don't think you guys can correct me if I'm wrong that South that uh, SNL has made fun of the idea of a man being a women's champion with the macho man, Randy Savage uh, SN, uh, uh, South Park being the best possible example of this. It's such low hanging fruit, but I thought this was a step in the right direction. It's definitely a step in the right direction. And they're actually doing some funny sketches these days. Nate Bergazzi was amazing. For yeah, he was fantastic. You worked hard to build your retirement savings. You deserve an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security. Phoenix Capital Group wants to help fuel your growth. You can invest in their corporate bonds through your 401k and IRA to start earning tax-deferred annual returns ranging from 9 to 13%. There are multiple options with different rates and terms to choose from. Phoenix Capital Group is providing investors a new high-yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today at phxonair.com. Learn more by downloading the free investment packet at phxonair.com. You can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% annual interest. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth.
I want to switch gears here for a second, Clay. I just, I just think this is really interesting. Uh, people are paying some attention to this. I know Tucker did an interview with this guy recently. But there's a, a new president in Argentina, Javier Millet, who is a self-described anarcho-capitalist. This guy is a 53-year-old congressman in Argentina, and he's a, he was a TV pundit and got a lot of, uh, don't get any ideas, Clay, got a lot of <laughs> public support for his punditry and then decided to take it into politics the next, uh, the next level. And this guy, it, look, he, he's inter- he's got kind of a very unique look. It's been described, it's described here in the Wall Street Journal write up as Wolverine like sideburns. He is a, uh, big Milton Friedman fan. This guy has five English Mastiffs. By the way, I, I don't know how I've got an adorable little nine pound puppy and Carrie and I are just, uh, you know, this thing is taking over our lives day to day. Five English Mastiffs. Those things are huge. Anyway, four of whom are cloned and named after free market economists. He's studying to convert to Judaism. He opposes abortion. He wants to create a market. Uh, he's a free market guy. He, sa- he said he would support creating a market to buy and sell organs. Doesn't believe climate change is man-made. A former frontman for a rock band. A a backup goalie for a local professional soccer team. I mean, I got to say, this guy is, it's just really, he's really interesting. So just that's why this is now, he's sort of entering, and they're calling him far right and a Trumpist kind of guy and all this stuff, entering the the conversation um, in a way that I think we may be hearing more about this guy. But Millet, he also, he says like leftists are disgusting and, and he wants to get rid of all these government agencies and leftists are uh, are atrocious and he's, I mean, he's taken big swings at the communists all over the place. But, Clay, Argentina used to be a wealthy country. Yeah. Ar- you know, a long time ago, Argentina was a wealthy country. And it- it's a, have you ever been? Beautiful. Country. No, I would love to go. I've never been to Latin America, period. Uh, I mean, I, Costa Rica, if you want to count that, that's as far south. as I lived in the Caribbean, but that's as far yeah. south as I've been. Argentina, I-, I went a few years ago just for a quick stopover a couple of days. But uh, Argentina is is a beautiful country. Um, with really, you know, with, with, with a lot going for it. I feel like I'm describing a friend who's on the dating scene. It's got a lot going for it, but it really does. Um, Argentina, unfortunately, is at 140% inflation, Clay. And he, here's the thing. Here's what you're going to see right now. This is why it matters to one. I just think this guy is a fascinating political figure. You know, it's just interesting to see his rise. You're seeing more of this to outsiders with media savvy and, you know, unique background Boris Johnson be, I mean honestly too would fit into this category from England right like uh, well, I think he the, went to Eton or something I mean he's kind right, of right but uh, he's got the wacky hair and like four wives and like remember he had like kids yeah. coming in, they don't even know how many kids he had like yeah, but I think he that, had kind um, of that eccentric uh you know like sort of rumpled professor look that seems similar to this Argentinian and, guy and there was that guy Berlusconi in Italy who was quite a, a yeah he was very figure. Trumpian um, so, so there, there's a number of, you know, you see these people rising. And I think Finland, not that we spend a lot of time on Finnish politics here, but I think they just elected their most hard right government ever. Um, and there's a couple of other countries in Europe. I can't think off the top of my head that have, that have moved significantly right in, in the last year or so in their, in their elections and, and how they're doing things. Anyway, what's so interesting to me, Clay, is the left in this country obviously hates this guy. They hate Millet, right? Yeah. Already they're trying to trash him. He's Trumping everything else. 
The economy of Argentina has been destroyed. Just like the economy of Venezuela has been destroyed. Just like the economy and really the, you know, social structures and everything of most Latin American countries. Let's be honest. I'm here in South Florida. People will tell you the truth about it if you ask them. What happened in Cuba? What happened in Venezuela? What's happened in Central America? What's happening right now in Colombia? Why does Brazil have, you know, a lot of the problems it has? Socialism is economic cancer. Socialism destroys. It destroys Latin American economies. It's destroyed quality of life. And finally, at least in Argentina, which has, there's no excuse for what a mess that place is. People are recognizing he won by a pretty big margin. Let's stop doing the socialism thing and see if maybe we can get something else going on. I also think there's a sense, and you can feel it percolating everywhere, that many people just want to preserve their country's culture. And I think certainly in Europe, in the wake of what's happened in Israel, a lot of people are looking around and saying, wait a minute, look at all these people who are coming out and supporting Hamas and Palestine in our country. Are we starting to undercut what has made our country uniquely successful? Because the idea is, okay, everybody comes to the United States and they assimilate and we're a great melting pot, for instance. That is the argument in favor of mass immigration. And the problem is the Democrats now are saying, no, 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 the melting pot is racist. We want you to continue to be a member of whatever identity you are as you come into this country. And so I think there's a lot of people rejecting and repudiating that idea uh, that comes from identity politics and saying, wait a minute, what is the cultural identity of the country? I also think you build on this, Buck. There is an analogy out there that much as Brexit, which happened in 2015, presaged in many ways the Donald Trump election in 2016, people are now looking, and look, you can look in different countries and take different lessons depending on what's going on, but I'm seeing circulating on social media, oh, much as Brexit presaged the rise of Trump in 16 and sort of that tidal wave of uh, disruption, that this guy's election this sort of rumpled outsider in Argentina is now a forerunner to the return of Donald Trump in the United States. To what extent you can take lessons from foreign elections, I think, is difficult, but that analogy is already being drawn. It's just interesting as well to see how the left-wing intelligentsia or so-called intelligentsia in this country immediately... I mean, they they are uh, people of deep affinity with socialism, and so-called social justice. I mean, that's somehow we live in the the capitalist, you know, the ultimate capitalist country. And I know you could say, oh, we have a lot of ways in which we fall short of this ideal. But, you know, we are the capitalist engine of the, of the global economy. If there's no yes. other place. Right. And yet our elites, including those who do economic reporting, are all really sympathetic to socialism. I mean, not all, but overwhelmingly, they're sympathetic to socialism. And we sit here and go, what is wrong with these people? Like, what do they not see? Latin America has been devast- devastated for decades by socialist idiocy. It, it has, it destroyed Venezuela. It has, de- it has destroyed Argentina. I mean, you go down the list and it's not like it's, it's, you know, oh, that's just our opinion on some of this stuff. Clay, the Argentine peso has lost 90% of its value against the dollar. I mean, imagine if you've been working, you're trying to save money as an Argent- Argentinian businessman or whatever. 
Your money has lost 90% of its value vis-a-vis the dollar to give you a sense of your purchasing power, what's going How could there be a bigger... That level of inflation, that level of economic devastation destroys countries, destroys futures, destroys people's uh, hopes and dreams. And you have this new guy who comes in who's like, let's let's try something different. Let's address it. And in our country, people who are being paid, you know, half a million, two million, whatever dollars a year to go on TV and talk about economics are like, this guy's Trumpian. He's going to run the economy into the ground. Well, you know better than most in Miami because they've driven up property values to such an extent. How do you handle a collapsing country economy? You get as many of your dollars out of that country and you put it into hard physical assets in the United States as you can, which is why so many wealthy people in Latin America own property in South Florida, uh, because they at least feel like that is not going to get completely wiped out. Uh, it's a flight to safety. And you're right. I, I think it's incredibly important. For anyone out there who wants to lead this country to have had to at some point work in a capitalistic system where you understand what it means to have to make a profit or you have to fire people. Because in our government and a lot of people out there, if you work in government-related jobs, you don't understand the concept of having to run an efficient business and that there is a requirement of profit in order to hire. And that's why we have, I think, frankly, why we have a $33 trillion debt now is because a lot of people who have never balanced a budget in their entire life suddenly get given mm-hmm. control of the federal government and they don't understand the concept of how profit and loss even works because they've never had to reconcile with it at any point in their life. I, I, it's just so depressing to see how often it's really about human psychology and mass psychology. But if you look at if you look at what's happened in Venezuela, if you look at what's which people like to point out this factoid that it has the largest proven oil reserves in the world, larger than than Saudi Arabia. And yet it somehow is just economically devastated. You can't even the whole country has been ruined effectively. It's turned into a giant, you know, exit platform for refugees, including into into Miami here where I am. Um, But, Clay, with all with all these things that go on with all of that that we've seen that all it really takes is play on people's uh play on people's envy and play on people's fear and you can get them to do anything you want right you tell you tell them oh you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to make it you're not going to be able to get it done and it's those other people that are the reason why if they just paid their fair share or if those you know industrialists or those bankers or those capital owners or whatever if you just put me in power and put me in charge and let me do what I want to them you're you'd have free health care. You'd have free schooling. Everything would be great. Your house price would come down. Everything, you know, your housing prices would come down. It's a lie. Yes. But people don't understand economics. They understand envy and they understand fear. It's a lie sold by people who don't understand economics mostly. But the people who do and sell it really make me sick. Because if you haven't laid in bed at some point running a small business and worried about the state of your business and payroll and the fact that you're trying to make sure that all of your employees can pay their mortgages and can pay for their kids' schooling and everything else, I don't want you, frankly, running the country because I don't think you've experienced what you should have experienced in the economic sphere to understand it. I really you don't. See, you see Joe Biden? I'm trying to see what the number is yeah, from his official account. It's not Joe Biden. It's his team, but he shared something out that says... Uh, that basically Biden has created the most jobs here. I've got it in front of me. It's 
speak to your point about not running a business and not knowing anything. Yeah, Biden claims to have, have created in the first three years about 14 million jobs. Oh, yeah. I and saw according this. to this, according to this thing that they shared, you know, Reagan created 480,000 jobs. So 14 million jobs is what he says. He's, they're counting the jobs that started again when they stopped lockdowns. Yes. As jobs created. I mean, this would be like if I walked up to a building and I said, hey, everybody out, I'm going to light it on fire. And then, okay, you can go back, you know, the next day and be like, I just created jobs. You didn't create jobs. You just stopped destroying jobs. I'm not sure what the latest number is. Maybe we can look this up. I think the percentage of people who are working has only now maybe reached what it was in February of 2020 under Donald Trump. In other words, if we had an honest accounting buck, the percentage of adults out there working in the economy peaked in like February of 2020 with Joe, with uh, Donald Trump. And I think we're just now maybe in the fourth year about to be of Joe Biden back to where we were when we started the lockdowns over three years ago. Bidenomics, everybody. Maybe, you know, maybe they could use uh, use him down in Latin America because he would do it the same way if he could every year at this time i'm always remembered how eager the team is at legacy box to help families in this audience legacy box is the company in tennessee that's helped more than a million families restore memories on tape and film to digital files that are just one click away from watching and enjoying and sharing today they have the expertise and the gear to digitally transfer the hours and hours of memories you have on tape and film onto digital files that are suddenly very accessible they do this with a great value proposition. Their Black Friday sale prices started early, and today you can get 65% off their regular prices. Not 40% or even 50 That's right, two-thirds off, 65% off. If you've got tapes and films that need digitizing, Legacy Box is the company you can rely on, and this week is their biggest sale of the year. Get started online today. Go to LegacyBox.com slash buck for this great sale price on their services. They do amazing work. Stay in touch with you at every step of the process, too. LegacyBox.com slash buck. You'll get 65% off for Black Friday. Want more Clay and Buck that you didn't hear on the show? Get podcast extras in the Clay and Buck podcast feed. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time... 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final segment of the week for Buck Sexton, who is off for Thanksgiving, and I thought I would serenade you, Buck, with Iowa drama. Nikki Haley out campaigning. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen when you talk to a kid at a campaign event. This just happened in Iowa. I love your aunt. <laughs> Thank you. Let your guys me for free. <laughs> Sorry, that's New Hampshire. And if you couldn't hear that very well, the little girl is wearing a Nikki Haley hat. Nikki Haley says, I love your hat. And the little girl immediately says, thank you. One of your guys gave it to me for free. So out of the out of the mouths of babes, Buck, you never know what's uh, what the truth is going to be. Must be of, uh, a vague, but, of a vague plant in the audience there. That nine year old, the vague had her trained and ready to go. Um, uh, we, yeah. we have got a ton of people reacting to our airport travel. I, I, we're right. I understand people out there like, I love hanging out at the airport for 16 straight hours waiting to see whether or not somebody's going to show up or not. Uber exists for a reason. Use it. Caleb in Fresno wants to wants to start a ruckus. What's up, Caleb? Hello? You're, you're on air. We're hearing you. What's going I'm on? on? All right, man. Hey, uh, I... I wanted to go at it from an angle of uh, relationships. Uh, so this is, I actually come from a family that's pretty big on uh, taking people to the airport. And I didn't even know that wasn't a thing until I got married. And my wife is definitely on your side of things. Uh, I remember my first trip with an airport when we were first married. She looked at me sideways when I uh, assumed that she would be picking me up from the airport. Um, so I, I can not tell you how much, uh, benefit I've seen from the time spent in the car ride back from the airport or to the airport with people in the car. 
whether it's an acquaintance or or direct family, um, going to the airport. So can I, I just Caleb, something out there. I want to give you, you I'm going to give you a quick a quick counterpoint. Thank you, Caleb, for calling in. See, Clay, when I'm forced to go pick someone up at the airport and I don't want to, you know what it does to my relationship with that person? I start, when I'm stuck in that traffic, I start pounding that wheel with my fist. I start saying things that I cannot say on radio because of the FCC. Um, Yeah, I get frustrated. I don't, there are lots of places where you can have conversations. I don't know that it's necessary at the uh, car ride to the airport. And again, everybody that goes to the airport that is unnecessarily at the airport makes it that much harder for the people that actually need to go to the airport. Because I guarantee you, when I go to the airport tonight to pick up my 15-year-old, the entire airport has all spilled onto the interstate, and I'm going to spend a ton of time trying to get to them when if everybody just took an Uber, or certainly you could drive park yourself, the entire system would be far more efficient. I'm just trying to make American airports great again. That's all I'm trying to do. It's time for you to get Clay Force One, man, you know? Start doing it that way. Well, that's uh, that's certainly a plan. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 